Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. And we have a full panel this week, which means Jorna Taylor is back. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome back. Good morning. We missed you. I know. I our missed pro- you. Yes, our producer Brian Wildridge has been clapping for your return. I so we're him. all. Very happy to have you back. And as always, Robert Craig is with us. Robert is the executive director here at Citizen Action, and he joins us from the road. Robert. Good morning, everyone. Good to have you. So it's a jam-packed week, and we are going to jump right into our show. We're not even going to give you a preview. We have so much stuff. But our first topic is we are going to talk more about the John Doe and uh, all of the things that are connected to the Guardians uh, news dump that we talked extensively last week. And in particular, we are going to talk about the Wisconsin democracy campaign and how it has filed an IRS complaint against Wisconsin Club for Growth. And we have a special guest that is the executive director, Matthew Rothschild with Wisconsin democracy campaign to talk more about this. Matt, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So obviously, Matt, our listeners are you know very well aware of you know what was in the Guardian, but let's talk very specifically about what is in the complaint and what you know specifically you is in the complaint with the IRS. So we make two allegations in our complaints with the IRS against Wisconsin Club for Growth. Uh, the first is uh, that Wisconsin Club for Growth was doing electioneering campaigning as its primary activity in 2011 and 2012. And I think anyone who reads the Guardian story, and especially who reads the emails and the backup documents that you can click on there, will uh, understand that this was an obsession of the Wisconsin Club for Growth and that they were dealing with uh, this election uh, fundraising scheme and advertising scheme uh, as their primary activity. And the second thing is just that their fundraising was deceptive and uh, improper, that they were raising funds uh, basically uh, to help Scott Walker's campaign as an adjunct of Friends of Scott Walker and uh, as a wing of the Republican Party of Wisconsin to ensure that Walker stayed as governor, to ensure that uh, David Prosser stayed on the Wisconsin Supreme Court and to make sure that the state senate stayed in, in Republican hands. And they uh, sent Walker, or Walker sent himself on the road, uh, sat on the laps of millionaires and billionaires, begged them for six-figure, seven-figure donations, told them not to write the check out to friends of Scott Walker. Of course, that would be over the limit by a long shot, by a factor of about 1,000 or 10,000. Uh, told him to instead write it up to Wisconsin Club for Growth. And then Walker's uh, chief campaign strategist, R.J. Johnson, uh, would, uh, who was also at the same time running Wisconsin Club for Growth, would sprinkle that money on to other organizations like Americans for Prosperity and uh, <clears throat> a couple others, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then he would supervise with Walker's uh, approval, the coordination of the ads down to the tiniest minutia of what font to use in some of these advertisements. So it was an elaborate scheme to violate Wisconsin's own law on the books at the time, which had outlawed coordination between candidates and outside groups, candidates like Walker and outside groups like Wisconsin Club for Growth. But it also was a violation in our mind of Wisconsin Club for Growth's 501c4 designation because it was doing all this political campaigning throughout 2011 and 2012. 
So, Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, you mentioned that you think that this was uh, deceptive, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking here that one donor wrote in the memo line of his check uh, to the Wisconsin Club for Growth, quote, because Scott Walker asked. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much more blatant it could possibly be in my mind. You know, the sad thing for me is that they they clearly have coordinated. This was clearly a blatant Um, violation of their tax status, of campaign finance law, and they just don't seem to care. They think that they're above the law because, frankly, you know, to date, they really have been in in many, many ways. Um, I'm not saying that Democrats have always been 100% on the up and up. Let's be real clear about that. But um, this sort of Teflon personality that they that the right has taken on with this and the, you know, you can come after us, but you'll never get us. Ha ha. A mentality just has to stop. Yeah, the arrogance is just uh, totally unbelievable. But and, and Jorna, you uh, point to a really essential factor and it's bothering me to no end. Where can we find justice? Where can we find justice and some accountability for this blatant, flagrant uh, illegality and wrongdoing on the part of Walker? We can't find justice here in Wisconsin because the Wisconsin Supreme Court, at least the conservative justices on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, are corrupt. They were put in power by some of the very same groups, Wisconsin Club for Growth, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, and they were the ones who, who out of nowhere came up with this interpretation that coordinated somehow is now legal. So that ended the John Doe and let Scott Walker totally off the hook. So there's no hope for justice right now in Wisconsin. So we're looking to Washington, D.C. for some hope for justice. We're looking to the U.S. Supreme Court, which on Monday is going to consider the appeal from D.A. John Chisholm down in Milwaukee County, Ishozan here in Dane County, and Larry Nelson in Iowa County, who are appealing that horrendous Wisconsin Supreme Court decision of July 2015 that ended the John Doe. We're hoping the U.S. Supreme Court takes the case and and rules uh, in favor of uh, justice here, in favor of saying that the decision by the Wisconsin Supreme Court was outrageous and that there shouldn't be coordination between candidates and outside groups, which is, as a matter of fact, what the U.S. Supreme Court has been ruling for the past 40 years. So we're looking for justice at the U.S. Supreme Court, and we're looking for justice at the IRS headquarters in Washington, because we just can't find it here in Wisconsin. Yeah, Matt, this is Robert, and... uh you know, what's going on here is, is that if coordination is fully legal, then there are no campaign disclosure rules at all, and there are no campaign limits. And people yes. come in with any amount of money, and no one would know where it came from. That is, this is basically an abrogation of all campaign finance laws going back to the early decades of the 20th century. And so the reason... Yeah, go. No, that's exactly right. It makes a mockery. This this uh, allowing of coordination between candidates and outside groups make a, makes a mockery of any ability to impose meaningful limits on campaign contributions and to require adequate disclosure, which is necessary for a democracy to function properly. And these allegedly conservative justices um, who find First Amendment protection here are reading into the First Amendment. These are the ones who claim to be strict constructionists that you have a right to have, for corporations to spend unlimited amounts of money uh, to influence elections and that that is free speech without any disclosure. That's, that's what they're saying. And I, you have to search pretty hard to figure out what, how on earth the founding fathers intended that or the founders of the framers of the Wisconsin Constitution in the middle of the 19th century. But the reason that, as you know, 
they need to use a 501c4. That's why it's important that you and your organization are going to have the tax status here, is because a C4 can take unlimited money and they can take it um, in a way and they can take it without disclosure. And so a 501c4 is absolutely essential to undertaking such a criminal enterprise. And they were absolutely blatant about it. When Walker would go talk to them, the emails in The Guardian show, uh, talk to this billionaire, ask him for a million dollars, and tell him that uh, he can give as much as he wants, and there's no disclosure. I mean, they made the sell job as to why they're doing this little uh, shell game of uh, writing the checks out to Wisconsin Club for Growth. So, uh, And you're right about the fundamental point. I mean, any... Uh, of our U.S. Supreme Court decisions, any of our state laws that we're trying to regulate uh, campaign contributions and limit corruption in Wisconsin, limit the ability of corporations to have their say, all that's out the window. There was a law on the books here in Wisconsin since 1905 that prohibited corporations from engaging in electioneering. Um, this Wisconsin Supreme Court decision makes a joke of that, as does the horrendous rewrite of our campaign finance law last November by the Republican legislature and by Walker. And so what happens now, let's be specific here. The new law says you can give, if you're a really rich person, you can give $20,000 directly to Walker if he's running for governor. Give it to Walker's campaign. But if I'm a billionaire... Uh, I, I can give $20 million to some 501c4 group with, you know, some funky name like Badgers for Eternal Victory and then go work with Walker, and Walker can tell me what ads to run and where to run them and how many times to run them. I mean, that's basically the scheme Wisconsin Club for Growth was doing here with Walker. It's not considered a bribe, right, that you can't pay for a cup of coffee for a legislator. You can give a governor $20 million that he directs the spending of to reelect himself, and that's not supposed to be corrupting. Right, and now I'm waiting for some of these right-wing apologists to say the First Amendment uh, allows bribes because it's speech. Right, there you go. So, Matt, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and uh, enlighten us. Before you go, the complaint, how long, what's the, what's the timeline, any sense on uh, where this is headed? No, because the IRS doesn't uh, give any clue as to, uh, you know, whether they're taking the complaint seriously or how they're progressing in their complaint investigation. So we won't know until they do something. I sure hope they do something. Last I looked, the IRS wasn't under the thumb of, of Walker uh, and uh, the donors here, as our Wisconsin Supreme Court is. So I'm hoping they will take this seriously. Well, great. And Thanks again for joining us, and thanks for all the work that uh, you do over at the uh, Wisconsin Democracy Campaign. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. So with that, it was a great interview. He's, uh, he, he's, he's really on top of this. And this complaint, uh, Robert, you brought this up, right? Like, it, it's, it's the very interesting thing here is we're not dealing with the Supreme Court. We're dealing with the IRS. So uh, there's a reason to be optimistic here, and the IRS might be a little bit more... Um, actually particular about enforcing our laws. So with that, we want to talk about what is going on with the photo IDs and Governor Walker and our DMV and Jorna announced this week that not only are we going to use cheaper and weaker and bad paper <laughs> that's apparently less safe in terms of fraud, we're going to now basically try and we're going to stamp these photo IDs that people receive for free for voting 
for only for voting purposes in order to try to get them to pay $28? What's okay. going on here, Jorna? So, so this has not happened yet, okay. but, let, but let's be clear. Uh, it will likely happen. So um, really what this is is that the cost of democracy here in Wisconsin is about $2 million. Um, that is the amount that the DMV is projecting that they will lose by giving out these free state IDs to folks for voting purposes. And, you know, I get that there's a cost involved, but uh, democracy, uh, uh like, come on the now. Bill, putting, the bill, making these things a, a, a requirement for yeah. accessing your constitutional rights. So basically uh, what the DMV is now saying is that they would like to give out just an ID that would be used for voting only. You couldn't really use it for anything else, although... Um, the health Department of Health Services is saying is kind of hedging like, well, maybe they they still would. But really, it wouldn't be um, a legal ID for anything other than voting. And it would be cheaper. It would only be, you know, it would be on like a lesser card stock and things like that. I so- heard they were going to stick it on that paper that you get the little candies on. <laughs> Just, Those little dots. Yeah, yeah. That's you get a, you get right. you eat the dot off every time you exactly. vote. Exactly, awesome. a great plan. It's so, great plan. so yeah. I mean, really, it's just it's another attempt to not support low income folks who can't, who may not have access to a real estate ID to access other social services or to you know help get a bank account or, or different things that you need an actual um, state ID or driver's license to do. And so it's just disappointing that the DMV are being such jerks about this. Oh, I don't believe the DMV is responsible for this. You th- I, I blame Walker. Listen, listen, Come on, listen. Jorna. Hey, hey, hey now. <laughs> Walker says that he doesn't know what he's going to do. <coughs> mm. Sorry. <clears throat> right. I he had no idea <laughs> about this. Well, from what we read in The Guardian, we know Walker doesn't really you know, pay attention to details. Uh, right. Robert, any thoughts on this? Well, people should bear in mind that the reason that they had to have three IDs is, is that they figured they could, this is the only way they could defend uh, the photo ID requirement in court. They were going to say, well, no one will be disenfranchised because we're giving them free IDs. So now they're concerned that too many people are getting IDs, might use them for other purposes that would help them in their lives, and therefore to fill the transportation budget gap that they've caused, uh, they want to go and make the IDs less valuable and put them on less, lesser stock, etc. Why not, if someone literally doesn't have an ID, can't they get some good out of now having an ID that can be used for other purposes? I mean, this is just really, really sinister and malicious. Hey, so Robert, while I have you on the phone, I want you to take a lead on our next topic, and that is... This week we found, well, we, Wisconsin is joining essentially 20 other states challenging the federal overtime rule, which um, we've come out and we've talked about this on the podcast, are big supporters of, of uh, Obama trying to expand overtime so that it's actually uh, available to a lot of workers who currently don't have it. Tell us more about what uh, is going on with our uh, attorney general uh, challenging this overtime rule. So... Uh, rewinding a bit, uh, the listeners may remember that in May, President Obama and his Department of Labor did one of the boldest things that he has done in his presidency. They revised the overtime rules, which have not been changed in decades, and have left this huge loophole where most people are classified as white-collar and then work many more than 40 hours, but are only paid 40 hours. And the income cap was 23000 and that hadn't changed 
And so this moves it up to $47,000. So it, it takes out that kind of white-collar loophole. Uh, people in Wisconsin, for example, work an average of 47 hours a week. And so all this would do is require that people actually be paid overtime when they work over 40. So it restores the 40-hour work week. Surprise, surprise. But in so doing, it, it's going to raise people's wages substantially. And so it's, it's around $9,000, give or take. We have a chart on our website. We'll provide a link that shows how much it is in each major city in Wisconsin. Uh, but it's a huge pay raise for workers, which, unlike Walker's economic policies, which have reduced people's wages, will put money in people's pockets they can spend in their local communities and therefore generate economic growth and generate jobs. So this is going to be a boon to Wisconsin's economy. Um, over 80% of Wisconsin voters support this, according to the polling. We've seen that. The only people against it, of course, are Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, mentioned in the previous segment as part of the, the, uh, the dark money conspiracy, uh, and the other various corporate interests. And, of course, we have Ron Johnson uh, strongly opposing it and promising to try to um, repeal it. But at the same time, our state attorney general has now uh, joined this mean-spirited lawsuit to block millions of workers across the country from getting a pay raise. We do a bang-up job here in Wisconsin of hating on Obama. You know, we try and block health care. We block federal money for public transportation. We block overtime pay. I mean, if Obama said the sky is blue, we'd, we'd want to block that, too. Yeah, and look, Robert, you pointed out just the significant size of the amount of money that this means to, to, to people who are currently excluded from this, thousands and thousands of dollars later on in the podcast. Joanna, we're going to talk a little bit about Paul Ryan and his great tax plans, and I'm sure... I'm sure we'll be hearing all about tax cuts and all how, how taxes are going to, you know, help you out. Well, the reality is for the average person when we get tax cuts, it's, you know, we're talking about tens, maybe hundreds of dollars, right? Except if you're in the 1%. Whereas this is something that really, really with thousands of dollars, you you would think this might be uh, one of the most important issues for folks out there. And it is, Robert. You mentioned it's very popular in the polling, and that is a segue to our next topic and that is Yes. I do want to mention, Matt, that there have been nonprofits, uh, there have been local government groups, for example, and cities have come out against this just because they've also adopted a low-road labor strategy. Uh, it's absolutely outrageous. Uh, any of the listeners hear about their city or municipality signing on with the corporate interest to oppose this overtime rule, that they're called out on it because it damages the whole community when you don't pay people for the hours they work. So... I had mentioned we are going to segue on to talking a little bit about the elections here, and in particular, uh, the, mar the latest Marquette Law poll came out, and we always like to p put the disclaimer out there that we the polls are, you know, not always accurate, and these particular polls, this particular poll, is basically finding that we have still fairly close elections here, right? I mean, we're talking about two points, I think, in the presidential and six points in the Senate race. Jorna, you're our resident political expert <laughs> oh, and yeah, poll watcher. Me. I'm sure you've dove in. What are the highlights? What, what do we need to know about Charles Franklin's latest poll? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant about Charles Franklin himself. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you want to, we can have that be the second topic. Let's not. Um, so one of the things I think that's important is that we should 
you know, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday as it was coming through, and we should really be looking at registered voters because Franklin, um, you know, drops the likely voter thing in, in October. We're still a same-day state here, and we have really high turnout. So let's look at registered voter numbers. So um, in August, we were 42-37, Clinton-Trump among registered. We are 43-38 here in the middle of September, and we're going into the last, you know, 40-ish day stretch before the election. Um so it is it is definitely still a horse race here in Wisconsin in many ways. Um, but some of the interesting things to me is <laughs> among Republicans and those who lean Republican, 68 percent say they would have liked their party to nominate someone other than Trump. Um, yet, uh, you know, they're still going to vote for him, which is just really disappointing. I mean, there's there's some high numbers on the Democratic side on that one as well. Um, but. We did have a, a very interesting milestone and anniversary this week. If people will remember, one year ago, this past Wednesday, uh, September 21st, our illustrious governor, Scott Walker, ended what was the shortest campaign for president in uh, political history, I do believe. And he was dropping out to encourage other candidates to clear the field so that we could defeat Trump. Hey, hey, Scotty, how'd that, how'd that work out for you there, my friend? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, how, how things change in a year, I guess. Robert, now it's your time to, to warn us all about the, uh, the polling apparatuses <laughs> in the polling industry. Your thoughts? Well, a lot of pollsters are getting paid, and a lot of journalists are getting easy stories. What could be, what, what could be wrong with anything? So it's just... I mean, we just need to be very careful. We know this is a battleground state. We know that the there's a base Republican and Democratic vote, which is a majority of the vote. Um, and the, the only things that the factors that really fit, figure in are turnout, particularly on the Democratic side, and what's what's happening with independent voters. And so we know it. We know it's fairly close in both the presidential and the U.S. Senate race. Uh, everything else is. You know, whether someone moved up two points or down two points, that's all what they call margin of error, which means it doesn't it doesn't exist. It's just it's static. It's noise. No. And I think that's an uh, important thing to point out. And uh, later in the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about some canvassing that we're going to be doing here at Citizen Action uh, that launches this Saturday, both in Eau Claire and here in uh, Milwaukee or the South Milwaukee Oak Creek area that not only will help talk to these independent voters who are still trying to make up their mind, but many of them, while they may have made up their mind for president and even maybe the Senate, don't know much about their legislative candidates. And we know if we're going to bring back and build power here in the state, we have got to start to make progress. And so we're going to be uh, doing some work on that. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the podcast. But you're absolutely right, Robert. We're this, this polling, it really hasn't changed much, and it's all still within the margins. But uh, we know it's a close election. So, folks, it's September, uh, end of September. It's time to start really getting active and getting out and uh, getting involved and helping, making up the differences in, in, in many of these races where we know this is a swing state. So with that, we are fortunate to have our second guest, and that is Citizen Action's Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative Organizer, and that is Jeff Smith. Jeff has uh, joined us to talk about mega farms, particularly a mega farm that is trying to uh, get the ability to grow out in the Western Wisconsin area. And so, Jeff, we're glad to have you. For having us today about important issues. 
So, Jeff, the reason we have you on is uh, we want to talk about mega farms, and uh, in, in particular, mega farms that you know, obviously are feeding a lot of animals and producing a lot of waste. And up in your area, there is a particular farm that wants to grow significantly. And uh, the Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative and a number of other groups, it sounds like, have been involved in trying to fight back against this uh, massive growth. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about what's exactly going on up in your neck of the woods? Yeah, you bet. Just about two weeks ago, I was... uh... I was given some information that there was a public hearing on the 20th uh, regarding a permit uh, application for a concentrated animal feeding operation, CAPO. And uh, the, this CAPO was already in place at, with 1,700 animals, which many would say is too many already. Um, and they wanted to expand to as many as 7,150 animals. Now, to put that in perspective, um, 7,150 animals are as many as 129,600 people. And you're talking about popping a city of nearly 130,000 people on a small township without a waste treatment plant. And then, of course, the permit application must include a plan of how to dispose of that waste. And that's where we run into some real issues. So, so tell us what happened then this week, right? They had this hearing, and it sounds like you, a lot of folks got involved very quickly to try to try to fight this. Tell us a little more about it. I'm really actually pretty excited with uh, the results on Tuesday at the hearing, being the fact that they scheduled it at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, which would discourage most people from being there. Um, we worked as hard as we could to get the word out there and get people to show up, and, sh- and people really showed up. We had over 200 people show up at this little town hall, um, skipping work or whatever they had to do. This was such an important issue. Water is definitely something that everybody can come and rally around, um, and, the, and your clean water and whether or not you have the freedom to have. As an example of that, Kiwani County is not as lucky because they have a, a numerous amounts of these CAFOs, which has resulted in one-third of their private wells being declared unfit for human consumption. So we that's why it's so important for us to be on top of this right now and not let it get out of hand. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. This is Jorna. Um, so to put this in perspective, you're talking about a city, essentially, of a population of Green Bay, um, with no sort of infrastructure for any sort of management of the water or ground at all. And really, you know, then no regulation of that and its impact on any of the other people in surrounding towns that um, may be affected by it. I, I think this is a phenomenal plan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, you, you mentioned regulation. Well, there is regulation. It's called self-regulation. Believe it or not, that's actually written right in the plan and right in the law. These cables are self-regulated. Now, what's really alarming is, and I've been talking to a lot of um, attorneys and other experts in this field, and they have said this is a new development. Um, Usually it's a family farm that just keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, But in this case, we're talking about a family farm that has come to an agreement with a corporation, Grassland Butter, um, to take over the operation once they get the permit. 
So now we're talking about a corporation, and you know how well they self-regulate, I'm sure. So, Jeff, what's next, and what should people in western Wisconsin in, the, in that area do if they want to get involved not only in this fight but potentially get involved in the uh, organizing cooperative that you lead? You bet, and, and I want to touch on both of those things. First of all, I will tell people what they can do. We have through the 27th, which is through next Tuesday, to still submit um, written comments, and they can do that by sending an email to Leah Nichol. That is L-E-A-H dot N-I-C-O-L at Wisconsin.com. And then that we, we're really pushing that right now. That is the next important step. And beyond that, we are, again, talking to people who have been through this in other, or other places and determining whether or not there are ordinances that we can, um, that we can get passed to slow this or stop this or at least control this and regulate this in a local uh, local way. Now, the involvement of the, of the cooperative, I think, is this is a perfect example of why a cooperative and how a cooperative works. Because if we had not created this cooperative, we probably would not have come anywhere close to getting 200 people to show up at that hearing. We would probably not have an organized strategy going on right now because People are distracted by elections. It's, it was, the hearing was 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. All sorts of things going against us. And we're actually starting from behind because the DNR has already approved on a, on a temporary basis this permit. So we're, you know, again, I, just, I am so pleased that we did form a co-op in western Wisconsin. And now we're proving why it is an important thing it is something people should consider being a part of um, to keep us going because when no one else is watching, we're watching. And when no one else is organizing, we're organizing. So, Jeff, how do they contact you? They can get hold of me at jeff.smith at citizenactionwi.org. Or they can go to our Facebook page, which is, of course, Citizen Action Organizing Cooperative Western Wisconsin, a long name. Or, of course, they can go to our website, and join right from the website, Citizen Action of Wisconsin website. Thanks for taking the time to join us and educate us a little bit on these mega farms and uh, obviously great work that you're doing up there and encourage our listeners to join the Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative. Thank you much. I appreciate that, Matt. Okay, we're in a real battle. and um, it's, uh, it's really great to see so many people paying attention. Thank you for having me on today. Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. So, Jorna. Matt. It's Paul Ryan time. Paul Ryan watch. What do we got on Paul Ryan this week? We didn't talk about him last week when you were gone. So it's, You missed me so I, much. I did. I did. So what has Paul Ryan been up to? I'm sure it's all good. Well, uh, Paul Ryan and House Republicans have released a tax plan. Must be good. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Do you get? To, do I get nine nine thousand dollars back, like overtime? Oh gosh, Matt. So um, <laughs> I, I didn't know that you were making so much money here at this nonprofit organization of, of Citizen Action because actually, the uh, the plan is designed so that ninety nine point six percent of the tax cuts 
by 2025 would actually go to the richest 1%, and that 0.4% left would go to the other 99% of us, um, which a pundit on MSNBC has said uh, likens the Bush tax cuts to socialism, basically. So uh, <laughs> I was going to say, this is worse than I think this Ryan's like amazing. previous tax He's plan. such a jerk. I don't even understand how you propose something like this with a straight face. I mean... So, uh, yeah, so once again, Republicans looking out for themselves and looking out for their donors and the rest of us, screw you. That's their new campaign slogan. Screw the 99%. Yeah, and we, and we already know Paul Ryan wants to repeal the Affordable Care Act, so that has wonderful uh, fiscal repercussions on top of his brilliant tax plan. So, look, we'll continue to watch Paul Ryan... Uh, uh, you know, he's a little below the radar with all these other exciting... Well, you know, it is the party of Trump now, so... Well, he and he's been crisscrossing the country, usually on the opposite side of the country, uh, raising money where, from where Donald Trump is, so that, you know, there can't possibly be a chance meeting in an airport or a <laughs> photo op anywhere. So speaking of crisscrossing, Robert, you... And our organizing director, Kevin Kane, are crisscrossing the state of Wisconsin on our outsource tour we've talked about the launch of the outsource tour at uh, uh, Rex Nord here in Milwaukee a couple weeks ago and uh, it sounds like you're back on the road again and we've got more outsourced or companies that have been outsourcing our jobs while receiving taxpayer money tell us more about the tour and where the heck are you guys at now well, kind of like we're documentary filmmakers or something, except with organizers and, capac- and organizing capacity. Uh, we're exploring all the fine companies that have taken public money uh, from WEDEC, the Governor Walker's controversial and uh, failed jobs agency, uh, and then outsource more jobs than we paid them to create. And so we are in uh, Nina, Wisconsin today, Wausau, Wisconsin, and we're in Green Bay uh, tonight. And uh, I will just give the, the quick preview that we are starting with the Plexus Corporation, which has been in the news uh, in Milwaukee and and, and, Nash- and in, the, in the state. Um, it was one of the first outsourcing controversies that actually came up during the Walker-Burke um, uh, race. But just to give you the specifics, uh, the Plexus Corporation, uh, we have we paid $17 million, okay? Um, and so far... It is. Uh, it has created 74 jobs, so that might be okay. That's not many jobs for 17 million, but it's something. But they outsourced 116 jobs, which means we get a net loss of 42 jobs uh, in the transaction for 17. Wah, wah, wah. That sounds like a Walker economic plan. And by the way, Plexus at the time denied that they had outsourced and claimed they had only downsized. Uh, of course, you'd still, I think, want to guarantee you create more jobs than you lose, right? Uh, but the Department of Labor actually, because of a story of stories about this, and they're really pushing a great journalist in Madison, Greg Newman at Channel 27, redid their analysis, included, yes, they did outsource. And so these jobs, these 116 jobs, were actually outsourced. These were workers making circuit boards. And, uh, but uh, PolitiFact uh, at the Milwaukee General Sentinel during the Burke Walker campaign had ruled that they did not outsource and has never revised that ruling, nor has the General Sentinel. 
So just so people know, there, there's, uh, there, there's no desire to uh, set the record straight here except by us and by uh, Greg Newman at Channel 27. So we will continue to keep everyone updated on the outsourcing tour, and you can follow it on Facebook. We'll have certainly track all the events and any media that comes out of it we'll, we'll put up on Facebook and encourage people to get involved in that. Certainly feel free to reach out to Kevin Kane if you're interested or have a possible good target for us to go in your community where uh, people have been outsourcing jobs. Um, wanted to point out, and I'd mentioned earlier about the election, that um, we are doing, you know, some some election work in some of these targeted assembly races, and one of them is we're kicking both of them off actually this Saturday at 9 a.m. Both in Eau Claire, and the contact if you want to get involved in going and talking to people about the election and particularly about the economy and what's happening with the economy and how that impacts races like the Russ Feingold race. We're also going to be talking about Howard White in Eau Claire. And if you're interested in getting involved in that, you can reach out to Steve Carlson. That's steve.carlson at citizenactionwi.org. We'll be meeting at the Democratic Party offices in Eau Claire. We were actually going to be meeting at the Plymouth Church, but... Uh, very tragic news around that church being burned down this week, and so we have moved that event. Um, and in Milwaukee, we are going to be gathering in uh, in South Milwaukee, and if you're interested in that, you can reach out to me at uh, here at uh, matt.brusky, B-R-U-S-K-Y, at citizenactionwi.org. It's time to get involved, folks. Let's get out and help win some elections. We had a we just had a small technical glitch, as in I just hung up on Robert. So <laughs> we've we've reached the furlough portion. So it was a perfect time to hang up on Robert because he has nothing to offer us other than uh he oh, was he sorry. will be working I'm, all weekend, Matt, because he's on I, the road. Oh Matt, I haven't I'm, had time I've to I haven't road. had time to think about this. <laughs> Come on, I'm busy. No, look. <laughs> We know one of the things that uh, all of us are doing here at Citizen Action is we are launching our canvases this weekend. So Saturday, we're going to be actually gathering here in the Milwaukee area at Guy Costello's house in South Milwaukee. And we're going to uh, go out and knock doors, uh, uh, talk to basically independent voters and really talk to them about the economy. And so we're very much looking forward to this. Again, reach out to me if you are interested in that. Um, the rest of the weekend, Robert, maybe maybe some biking, any, some craft anything, brews, some craft watching brews. some college football. That's right. Pittsburgh, I assume, Pittsburgh. is playing some team that they're going to eat up on. Some I don't grant know. Writing. Yeah, a little grant writing. Anyways, uh, we hope safe travels to Robert and Jorna. What what's going on this weekend? For uh, you? So Friday night, I am actually participating in the Radio eighty eight nine Fall Ball Karaoke for a Cause. Uh, Jorna, I, you're singing. My inner rock star is coming out. It is not too late to make your non your tax deductible nonprofit contribution to uh, ah what song? Well. That will be a big reveal next week. I'm not telling anyone, but it's it's a good pop song. Um, anyway, so yeah, Friday night at 88.9. Where, where is, so 88.9's on Pittsburgh, is that what uh, you said? Yep, oh, right okay. here downtown Milwaukee. So all you Jorna fans, if you want to go see Jorna sing. And, and make a fool out of myself, but cheer really loud for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Well, when I immediately finish canvassing, on Saturday, I'm going to the last race of the season Aww. for our district at Ostalon. They'll be racing Saturday night. Encourage people to come on out and see it. I must say, I, I 
I got to brag. My son finally won a race <laughs> this year. It's been very competitive. There's a lot of very, very good racers in our state in his 85 class, but he finally won a race last Saturday. So I'm very proud of him. And my other son, Gabe, who is not raced pretty much his entire life, uh, decided this year that he wanted to and uh, won his race in the beginner class last week. So it's been a lot of fun uh, spending time with them at the track this summer. And that comes to an end this weekend, just in time for the ramping up of the election season. So with that, I want to thank Brian Wildridge makes the podcast happen every week. Of course, want to thank our guests, Matthew Rothschild from the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign and Jeff Smith from our Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative for joining us and want to thank the listeners as always. And if you listen to us on iTunes, hey, you know, rate us, like us, make comments about us. It actually helps people find the podcast. Say nice things. Say nice things or actually trash us. Either way, it helps us. We just need comments. All right. With that, we'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.